Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I am your host, Alan Seals, and this episode is with Tony and Grammy nominee Derek Baskin. I love talking with Derek. He has so much gratitude for this life and this profession that he has, I'm going to say, fallen into. He didn't originally set out to be an actor or even a Broadway performer. He got a biology degree, was full-on pre-med, and then all of a sudden, he just decided to try giving singing, not acting, mind you, trying to give singing a try, and the rest is history. (laughs) There are two times that I remember in the interview where his face lit up so much with the enjoyment and the love for what the subject he was talking about. And these two times were when he spoke of the support and the love from his parents. And the other time was of the friendship and the lessons he's learned, uh, the friendship he's formed with Otis Williams and everything he's learned from, from that relationship. Just incredible. He's got a new show where he is headlining for the very first time at 54 Below, June 29th to July Third. So go to 54below.com, get your tickets for that. And of course, we cover that in this interview. It's just an incredible, incredible chat. Find me online at theater underscore podcast before we kick off the episode. Leave a rating, leave a review, tell your friends. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Derek Baskin. Today's guest is a Tony and Grammy-nominated actor for his role in Ain't Too Proud. He originated the roles of Mitch Mahoney in the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, Gator in Memphis, and even has had the fortune of starring in The Little Mermaid. TV film credits include The Good Lord Bird, starring alongside Ethan Hawke, Marshall with the late Chadwick Boseman, and three seasons on Hulu's critically acclaimed sitcom Difficult People. He has a brand new show coming up at 54 Below, June 29th, to July 3rd. Derek Baskin, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Hey, man, thanks for having me. The funny thing about that intro is you forget like what you've done. And so the way you said Mitch Mahoney was the, there's this like intro song that introduces me in the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to have to say Mitch Mahoney. And, and then the cast would say Mitch Mahoney. And so the way you said it, <laughs> was exactly how the cast used to say Mitch Mahoney, which made me, took me, it literally took me back. Like, <laughs> Mitch Mahoney. I was like, yep. wow, yep. how did he know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I remember I remember that show, man. It was so good. And that, that was your Broadway debut, right? Yeah, man, it yeah. was. I had no clue what I was doing, man. I was just, you know happy to be on Broadway. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. That was, I think that was 2005, I believe, if memory yeah, serves. Yeah, it was. And God, so you've obviously come a long way since then. Speaking about your latest show, you were Otis Williams in Ain't Too Proud, which got you, of course, your Tony and your Grammy nomination. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. It is a story of a group of black men rising above so much adversity to actually become the icons that they are today. So if you were to go back into the show now, given everything that's happened with George Floyd's murder and the racial injustices being at the forefront of people's minds more so than than what we'll call normal, yeah. uh, would you approach the role any differently? And you actually got to get closure, I think, because your contract ended, what, like a week before Broadway shut down, right? Literally, literally a week before. Like oh, myself oh. and Ephraim Sykes, we had our last show the week before we went to Miami the next day <laughs> oh, and God. then a week later, Broadway shut down. So I'm actually grateful to have had like a complete chapter um, uh, with that show. I'm grateful that I was able to originate it, to shape it, to form what it is now. I'm very honored to have portrayed Otis Williams uh, in that show and in that particular way. Uh uh, I have handed the reins. I've given the reins to Nick Walker, who is my replacement. Yes, yes. And um, I, I, he, I think he might have did two shows, <laughs> two or maybe three before the Broadway shut down. So I'm sure he's like 
itching to get back and kind of like get into, you know, into Otis's skin. Um, I will say, I will answer your question this way. Um, uh, for me, the realities of George Floyd, the racial injustices that you mentioned, a lot of that, uh, which the temptations kind of endured back in the 50s and the 60s when they were forming, um, you know, that has always been my reality. So the only difference is now it's more of a national concern. And I'm grateful um, that for this pandemic, because it caused us to sit and be still and to actually look at each other. Mm -hmm. And I feel that uh, the racial injustices, the in, the the plight, if you will, of uh, black people in this country has become such a focal point only because we were forced to sit still. We were forced to kind of like everything shut down. So the things that were kind of screaming at us that were fighting for attention, those things um, kind of registered louder with us. And so I'm grateful. Uh, I'm very grateful for the pandemic because it brought some things to light where all of us, not just black people, can take notice and say, what do we need to do to kind of fix the situation? And it's going to take a lot of fixing. Um, but uh, when people go back to see Ain't Too Proud, Ain't Too Proud, I think they start shows in October. Um, and so when that show comes back, um, the eyes who are going to see this show are going to just see it with different eyes. You know, I'm hoping eyes with more, a little bit more compassion, a little bit more empathy. But I, I think I think what you're going to, um, what's actually really going to hit you is that, yes, we have come far from the 50s and 60s, but yet we haven't. And so I'm hoping that it right. will inspire uh, people who go to see Ain't Too Proud once they open again um, to say, you know what, there's still some work that needs to be done. What can I do on my part? What can I do between me and my friends even? You know, because change starts with yourself. It doesn't have to be a huge uh, thing. You know, everyone doing their own part. Um, small small changes when, when you add those up, you know, equal a big change. And so I think shows like Ain't Too Proud um, and like Tina the Musical, which is coming back, um, which just talk about, you know, race relations. Um, uh, I, I think that people will just look at it with different eyes and, and I think eyes of um, compassion, but also I think, I think it'll and just inspire people to at the very least um, make sure that they're, that uh, the energy they're bringing into the world is that of a positive change. Yeah. Do, do you still talk to Otis? I mean, I know that the two of you worked being the only surviving member of the original, yeah. temps, you know, today as the show is opening, I know that he had a lot of input in, into the creation. Yeah. And, and I mean, do you, I guess I, I feel like, I feel like I heard that you formed a friendship with Otis, right? Like, yeah, man. Listen, I, he's still my uncle, you know, we call, <laughs> I, I call, I call him uncle. O. that's it. You know, all of us call him uncle. O. it's not just me. Um, uh, and I called him, I want to say about been two weeks ago because he posted something. Well, he didn't do it. I'm sure he's, his social media skills are hopefully less than mine, but like <laughs> there was a post of him in the gym, you know, working out and he looked really good. And so I just called him and I was like, look at you, man. I was like, you, you uh, give me a run for my money. I'm going to have to do some pushups myself because he's getting ready to, uh, you know, since the world is opening back up, the temptations are going back on the road. Um, and this is the, he told me this is this year, I want to say it's their 60th anniversary. Wow. Um, and, and this year that shut the world down, this pandemic, he said, this is the first time that he stopped in about 60 years. And so he's um, trying to, you know, just get back in shape and to build his stamina up. And so, yeah, I, I literally talked to him about two weeks ago and I, I will never. Um, that's a friendship that I will forever cherish. Like that one goes beyond uh, the show. It just does. And he has welcomed me into his heart and into his family. And, you know, when I was portraying him, he gave me his blessing. And there's not a time where I can't call him, you mm. know, and throughout the pandemic, I just we would just check in on each other. Last summer, um, I traveled to L.A. Um, uh, and I went to go visit him, you know, and it was like, you know, I 
you know, of course, with COVID regulations and all that stuff, everyone has their masks on and everyone's, you know, doing things from a distance. But I, ha- I just had to see him. And, um, you know, he was like, yeah, I would love to see you. And, and that that friendship is one that, you know, that's cemented here. Like after, you know, I've left the show, but that friendship is going to continue. <laughs> so yeah. another 20 years from now, when you have your 10 Tonys and someone's making the Derek Baskin show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and, okay. And, and you got some some young, young hotshot kid who's coming up playing young, <laughs> young Derek Baskin. Like I'm I'm yeah. trying to think about this from from the reverse situation, right? Like if yeah. if someone was making a musical or a movie or a show or something about me, or something's making someone something about you, I don't I would be so critical, I think, of oh that that's not that happened. That's not how that happened. And like, but Stephanie J. Block has a relationship with Cher now, and yeah. you've got a relationship with Otis. And they yeah. like I I think that's I guess did you do you think about this? Do you think about what it must be like for him to see his life just thrown out there like this? Yeah, I mean, well, we talked about it. You know, there was a um there was a TV movie, I want to say maybe in the early 90s, about The Temptations. And I saw that when I was a kid, man. And uh, he still hasn't seen that. He wow. hasn't watched it. Um, he, it, I think it hits a little bit too close. Uh, it, it hit too close to home, and he hasn't watched that. Um, uh, Dominique Morisot, the writer of, of Ain't Too Proud, mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, just sat with him and she talked with him. Um, and she really got a really good picture and a really good shape of kind of, uh, you know, the temps as a whole. And so we presented it to him for the first time, 2017, we showed him the first act. We were like, we're just going to like ease you into this because this is a lot, you know, like someone said, this is your life. You don't want to show them all of it because it's a, it can be overwhelming. And so, like, we sat him down, we showed him the first act, and something happened with uh, the guy who played Eddie Kendricks. And he said something that it, which is in the script. And Otis, like, from from like the side, he was like, "Yep." <laughs> He's like, "Yep, that was Eddie." And like, and once <laughs> once he did that, like it the tension of everyone and I think he is just very I think he's kind of humbled at uh, the way we are honoring him he's a very humble person you know um he's a very flashy very flashy person but the core of him you know he comes from very humble beginnings and that has never left him and so um I, I think it's a bit humbling uh for him to kind of see us honor his life and the life of his brothers uh every day and he he's come to the show and at every every you know we did a little tour before we hit broadway in every city every theater we were at he was there and every time he watched it it was like the first time and i could i could use, usually see him in the audience and i could just i can see the the pride and then i can see him remembering again every time you can see him remember when we're at you know the Copa, when the Temptations were at the Copa, he remembers that, you know, when we were, oh, we, there was a part where we were, um, it's like a, on a bus tour. He, he remembers that, you know, he remembers the struggles of playing uh, kind of in the Jim Crow South when the audiences were segregated. He remembers that. And so like, it's, it, you can see his eyes light up. You can see him holding back tears when there's a loss of one of his brothers. Uh, you can l- really see him go through that. So. You know, when I first uh, started, I was a bit nerve wracking because you're like, I don't, you know, it, it's you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm playing. But, you know, the difference is, you know, we're both artists, but he doesn't do what I do. You know what I mean? He's not an actor. You know, he's like, he'll get up there, he'll sing for you, put on a show. But what I do is just a little bit different. And because of that, um, I was like, oh, well, you don't do this. <laughs> so because of that, you know, it kind of eased the pressure. There was no pressure. All I had to do was just honor him um, as a man, as an artist, because had he not existed, my place here where I'm at as an artist uh, would be quite, quite different. And so I was just every night I was just able to say, man, thanks. And uh, we were very similar kind of. It's we're, it's interesting because we're both Scorpios. Um 
uh, and our temperaments, it, it, they're just very similar. And you wouldn't know that. Like when I got cast, they didn't know. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. kind of just happened that we have these similarities in the way that he leads and the way that I lead. You know, when I carried the show, I had to do it from, you know, I'm not the flashy person here. I'm the person that needs to hold things together. And that's how Otis was. You know, he and he was kind of the point person with Barry Gordy. And Barry Gordy had a really good um, relationship. And so a lot of things that came from Barry went through Otis. And so, uh, you know, I began to find the similarities between kind of our, our personas and kind of how we operate through life. And uh, once I did that, it was actually kind of cool. Cause I'm, I'm not a person that like impersonates people. Like that's not my wheelhouse. Like if I can, I can give you the truth of a person, like I can do that, but like characteristics and like, you know, Jamie Foxx, what he did with um, Ray Charles, like mm. it was so brilliant. And that, that ain't me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to impersonate someone like that. Just not, I, I probably could, I just haven't. And, and um, so, but when I found, when I found the similarities between the two of us, I remember one time like this in the show, in the middle of a show, I kind of just like found him. Like it was interesting and it just kind of clicked. And I was just like, Ooh, Ooh, you're Otis now. Like it was really interesting. Um, and, and he's just been, I don't know, he's been such a great friend, but he's, you know, he tells us that we're, we're telling the story right. And so that's all you need. And, and once you get that kind of blessing, once you get that stamp of approval from him, you're good to go. Oh, that's a level of comfortability and a level, a level of, trust and love i think love for you and love for the cast to say like here here's my story i'm trusting you and dominique and and all yeah. of these amazing individuals to tell it in a way that it you know it's not going to paint everybody in the best light it's going to tell no. the truth it's tell right. the truth and that's what's but important. see the thing about it and what i'm what i love about theater uh it's so, okay so my best friend um his name is James Igohart. He got a Tony for he played the genie in Aladdin. You you say that like people don't know who JMI is on this podcast. <laughs> James Igohart. Okay. All that's right. that's that's my bestie, man. And we've been best friends since 2004. We're very 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 different in our tastes of theater. He's very flashy. Uh you know, he loves musical theater. I'm like a tortured soul, you know what I mean? So like the thing about uh, what I loved about Ain't Too Proud is it showed the human side of things because that's what we are. We just have flaws, you know? And I, I mean, I have so many flaws and and I relate to theater that shows me, you know, shows me that, you know, these men are icons, you know, the Temptations, they were icons and yet they were just men mm-hmm. with problems, you know? And I said, ah, I'm a man with problems. <laughs> I, can relate, <laughs> I can relate to that. You know what I mean? And so I, I love that, you know, Dominique, she didn't shy away from, you know, David Ruffin's uh, drug abuse, you know? Mm. She didn't shy away from Paul Williams and his alcoholism and 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 it's also his health problems, you know? Um, there were just a lot of issues that she said, this is, this is what it means to, to be a human. And I think if you do that, you actually honor them more. You know, sometimes we're scared to tell kind of the dark sides of things. Um, But I think, you know, when you do that, I think you kind of just honor the people you're playing. And it actually helped me honor myself, you know, like with this pandemic, I, I was able to kind of just sit down with myself and just say, you know, let's look at the relationships that you're in and let's look at, you know, relationship with your family, relationship with your friends, relationships romantically. Um, let's look at how you look at yourself um, in your career. And I started to see some things that I wanted to adjust um, that were not always pretty. And uh, I think the, what, the reason why I could do that is because I did that with Otis. You know, I said, ah, okay, well, he made these decisions. Um, some of the decisions were like, for the betterment of the group, but also very hard ones. And I've had to also do that with my, with my life. Um, and so that kind of theater is the kind I relate to because it is me and it's all of us, honestly. I get that. I, I, I understand the, the need to tell 
a human story, make people human. And that's part, partially why this podcast exists for me, because I want to, I want to humanize. I mean, I don't know if you put yourself in the same bucket, but a lot of people do the Derek Baskins, the Ephraim Sykes, the Stephanie J blocks, like <laughs> the, the James Monroe Eigelharts, right? All of you yeah. have people that look up to you. Like you're looking up to Otis, like you're looking up yeah. to Eric, like these other people and to humanize you and say, you're just a guy with problems. I'm just a guy with problems. They're just yeah. people with problems, whoever they are. And, and I love, I love, I love, I love to talk to somebody that appears so successful business-wise, career-wise, and just, and just be like, man, what bothers you? What, what, are, what makes you like everybody else? And then the yeah. feedback from everybody else, it's yeah. just like, wow, I needed that. I needed to feel not othered. I needed to feel like I belong. And yeah. everybody wants that. Everybody I, needs that. I think so, you know, and I, you know, it, it, it's, you know, my, it, it's so funny because he is my best friend and he's so major at the same time, but I, I don't care what he's achieved, right? I, he, like, he has my heart as my best friend, you know, so like, we've taken care of each other. And so it's like, uh, wait, I lost my train of thought. When you can say, you know, we've, he and I and Stephanie, Stephanie's a wonderful woman, Ephraim, you know, that's also my little brother I've known since <laughs> 2008. I put him in his first Broadway show. Um, like, so I, like, I, we know where the bodies are buried with each other. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's that situation, you know? But like, we've just had wonderful opportunities, you know? I've had some wonderful opportunities, you know, in my career, and they have really been a blessing, but it doesn't take away from me just being still a person with struggles, right? You know, I have fallen in love. I have fallen out of love. There's a lot of rejection in this business that so I have to make sure that I don't allow to deter me from my dreams. I have to make sure that I validate myself as opposed to someone else validating me. Like, these are things that everyone goes through, except for, oh, I don't know about I would say regular people, people who are not actors. Like, Muggles. I think muggles, if you will, like, yeah. I don't know if they deal with as much of rejection as we do because it's just part of it, you know, but everyone deals with, you know, their version of, um, you know, how do I make myself a better person? And, you know, it, we can all relate on the human level, no matter like what you actually do as your vocation, if you're following your dreams or not, you know? And so yeah, I just I, I always believe in like just finding that commonality between all of us because it's this this it's there's so many common points between all of us. Well, tell me about when about little Derek. Like, what got you into performing? What made you want to start uh, heading down this path in the first place? That's a loaded question. And we'll be here for till two weeks if I answer it all the way. <laughs> well, for two weeks answering it, I, I will. I will try to give you cliff notes. So my give you the, drunk, mom, the drunk history version. I'll give you the drunk history. Uh, I was born in North Carolina. No. Um, uh, my mom is. I'm the oldest of six kids, and my mom. I don't know how she knew it, but my mom knew that I would be a singer. She she always knew that. Mm. And so when I was born, she sang. Uh, and she, when I was born, she would take me with her to choir rehearsal and I would just sit there and, and take in that music. And, and as soon as I could probably stand, I was in some kind of choir and I, we lived in, my dad was in the air force. And so we lived in Germany. I was there first, second and third grade, but I was singing in the adult choir. Now I was a kid. So I was like a soprano, you know, <laughs> but, um, so I, I kind of just grew up singing, you know, that, that had al that's always been my first love and music, um, in general has always just turned, it just turns my brain on. Um, then I went to cut fast forward to college and, you know, also a science geek. So I wanted well, to be like a biology degree. Yeah. I was pre-med, man. I took my MCATs and all that stuff, man. Wow. I did. I did. Um, and I wanted to be a doctor, you know, but music was always right there. And um, after I graduated college, um, I was applying to medical schools and graduate schools. And uh, I just didn't want to have any regrets. And I was in St. Louis at the time, staying with my grandfather. And I, I literally, he, he is, uh, he's retired now, but he used to be a security guard that at the post office and he worked in midnight shifts and I was working at TGI Fridays downtown, like across from Bush stadium, St. Louis. And 
one night I was just sitting like, it's like you kind of leave your body and you sit across from yourself and you say, okay, what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to try this singing thing. Like, cause once you get into medical school, that's it, man. That's, yeah. that's all she wrote. So I, I was like, okay, well, you're not going to do, I want to like sing jingles and commercials or make an album, something like that. And so I was like, well, you cannot do that here. And I knew St. Louis wasn't the end. I knew that. I was like, this is not where I land. I knew that. So I was like, well, what do you, what do you need to do? And I was like, well, I, they sing in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think people make records in New York. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. And I was like, okay. Then So I just bought a one-way ticket here, man. I did. And I got transferred from the TGI Fridays in St. Louis to the TGI Fridays in Midtown on uh, 50th and 7th. And so once I started working there, um, I, my new friend, see, I didn't know, cause I didn't grow up wanting to be an actor or, or an artist like that. But, you know, in the city, a lot of aspiring actors and artists, they're waiters, you know, they wait, they wait tables in restaurants because, you know, that schedule is easy to be able to follow your dreams and p- make your rent. And so like my new friends here were like, aspiring artists and they wanted everyone wants to be on Broadway and you know so I just followed them around man <laughs> and I went to this open call with them they were like you I told them I sang they were like okay you sang come to this audition and I went to this audition it was an open call for rent and it was like you know toward the end I want to say of the run and uh, my audition like was on the news that night and that was crazy. They, they had a camera in there like recording and then they kept calling me back and I was like, I don't even know like what I'm auditioning for. I did not know what I was auditioning for. They was like, oh, can you come back later? And they gave me some music to learn. I came back and they just kept calling me back. So finally I was like, well, let's just go see. <laughs> let's actually go see what you're auditioning for. So I won the lottery and so I'm sitting in the front row and the show starts. And as it progresses, uh, I was like, oh, oh, I, that I can do. Like, mm-hmm. it just kind of clicked. It was interesting. I, I was like, I can do that. I can do yeah. that. That I can do. And it, that's when it was like my dream. That dream found me. I didn't have that dream. And so that dream actually came to me. It was like, here's why you are here. Here's why you're here in New York. Here's one of the reasons I should say. And so um, I was like, all right, let's do it. And so I kept getting callbacks and I was like, well, you can't just jump up there. These other things are happening. You're not just singing. <laughs> so I was like, I had, um, I uh, started taking an improv acting class uh, at this place in Midtown. Doesn't even exist. It used to be this black box theater. Now it's, um, diamond haircuts now you can get your haircut there but it used to be a black box theater and um it was when was it 39th and 8th yeah and uh so i started taking acting classes i started like going to barnes and noble and reading books on acting and i would just sit on the floor and just kind of like just try to learn you know the acting thing and i never uh i never got rent i never booked it but it started the kind of journey of till where I am now with Broadway. Cause I was like, all right, this is what you want to do. All right. Then we're going to have to do, it. you know, let's just buckle down. And, and here we are, man, some years later and I, I'm Tony and Grammy nominated. Wow. <laughs> and now speaking of music, all of these things that you, you've done so many concerts. I was reading, looking through your resume. Like you've sung with Michael Bublé at Radio City and with Mariah yeah. Carey at the Beacon Theater and Winton Marsalis yeah. and the, and the, at Lincoln Center and yeah. like the Broadway Pops. And my God, like looking back at that little kid, is, has, is your mom around now to see, to see where you are, what you've become? Yeah, my parents are both around. And they're, oh they're, my goodness! They're, they're married. They've been married for ooh, 
45 years now. Oh, good for and them. And yeah, they're still kicking, still together. They live down in Virginia and they are my biggest supporters. And my dad, I feel like I have to pay him. He's like my press agent sometimes. And sometimes he, <laughs> it's, it's like, sometimes he knows things before I know them. And I'm just like, how do you know? He's like, oh yes, I heard y'all going to DC and LA. Like he was talking about, I was like, how do you know this? And, and they have been just, They've been so proud, and it was it was it's interesting because you know I my my dad you know he is in the Air Force and so he's very blue collar you know they both got their college degrees while they raised us and so um, you know we don't come from from much you know and so to go to college it wasn't easy and I had some scholarships, but they really had to really work hard to put me through college. And then when I decide <laughs> not to go, now, you know what I mean? Not to be a doctor, um, for them to turn around and say, son, if this is what you want to do, we support you. And they have been nothing but the best support system. Um, I, I am blessed. I am so blessed to have them in my life. And they're so proud. Like my mom, I could, I could tell my mom I sang for three people on the corner and she started crying. Like she, <laughs> she, she's, she's just the the sweetest thing. And my dad is the same, you know, he's equally as sweet and equally as supportive. And they have just always been in my corner, man. They really have. Like as a parent, I've got two little kids as a parent. If I, I'm trying to think of, of who the equivalent for me would be. But if like one of my children was like, mom, dad, I, I'm like hanging out with Otis Williams now when I go to LA. Like that's the friendship I've developed in my career. I would flip my lid. I would be so unbelievably proud of my child, my children. You know, just my God. And it's funny too, because I see the love goes both ways. There's in this, in this time we've been chatting, there've been two times when your face has just lit, lit up beyond belief. It's when you're talking about (laughs) Otis Williams. And now when you're talking about your parents. They're the best, man. They really are. It was so funny when I booked that. I'm trying to cry. They made me cry. I love them so much. But like I told when I told them I booked the show, when I told them I booked Ain't Too Proud, they went into this long, like, oh, the temptations. And they just start going back to like, you know, when my dad and his sister went to see the temptations in Indiana. And I was just (laughs) like, what? They like they have all of these stories about their childhood that I never knew until I booked the show. You know, like we, I grew up listening to like the Temptations Christmas. I'm like, every Christmas that like that Christmas, I was the one I knew. But like, for me, like my dad is a huge jazz buff. Mom and my mom is a huge gospel uh, fan and she likes opera. So like, those are the three genres in my house. So we didn't listen to a lot of Temptations. It was just that Christmas album. But when they were growing up, the temptations were just, they just ran all through their lives. Mm. My family, my parents were so excited. Like they, I couldn't tell, they were like, yeah, because, oh, that's great. And they, were, and they just went <laughs> in, man. Like they went in. It was crazy. It really was crazy. That is so unbelievably cool. Yeah. Uh, that's that's great. And I, I love I love to hear the stories of of the parents who are like, well, you're not doing what I hoped you would do, but we still love you. We support you. We're going to be in your corner no matter what you decide to do. And I think that you know, goes so far. I think, you know, I, 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 again, I, I keep saying this, I really have good parents. But the thing about life is, you know, I just think that sometimes there are just direction changes. Right. And you have plans for your life. You like, you know, at this point, like I'm single now, but like, when I was 14, I just knew by 20, <laughs> I'd be married with kids. You know, I'm going to graduate college, you get married, you have kids. Mm-hmm. And that's that. And then I changed course and said, oh, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm actually going to be an artist. You know what I mean? And if you are a, a, a parent, you know, you, you lived a little, you live longer than your children, obviously. But like, you know that life just comes with twists and turns. and um, it, their parenting skills allowed me to just follow where my journey is taking me. And the only thing that I needed from them is I love you and mm. go. And, and that's exactly what I got from them. So when I changed my mind from being a doctor to, I want to now be an artist, 
they were like, we support you. Like, we're not going to give you any money. <laughs> but like, <laughs> they're like, you know, the buck stops here. But like, you know, if this is your dream, like we will support you on that. And I never got an objection. I remember being scared to tell them. I remember being scared to tell my parents. I told my mom first. <laughs> and she was like, you know, you're going to talk to your father. And I was like, I know. So I think I waited like a week or two. And then I had a conversation with him. And he was like, son, if this is what you want to do, man, go and do it. Go and do it. And we support you. And I've never looked back. Life is just, it's, it's just, it's filled. It's filled with so many plot twists. It just is. And if you just allow yourself to kind of just live life, uh, the the thing that you think is a plot twist is probably something that was going to happen anyway, you know, because mm. you've allowed your life to kind of take the direction and take the shape it wants to take. I've had so many, so many damn plot. Can I say damn? I've oh, had yeah. so many damn plot twists and I'm just like, oh my God. Okay, here's where we are and let's go. Oh, you I know, but I, I have so much, I have a circle, a circle of support and a circle of love that each plot twist there's someone there to deal with that with me. So it's been great. Oh, I love that. So how does this, does this relate to the 54 Below show? We got to, we got to talk about 54 Below show a little yeah, bit. That's, that's what we're here to promote. So tell yeah. me about, <laughs> tell me about what's going to be in this show. Is this your first time performing there? Or first time headlining? This is my first time headlining there. Yeah. Uh, I, I have been running <laughs> away from doing a solo show I want to say when 54 Below first opened, they asked me. I think I might have been in Memphis at the time. And so they I have they have every so often they would ask and I would come up with an excuse. Uh, and it was a valid excuse in my mind. But ultimately, I just um I just have fear, you know. I I had a lot of fear of like just getting up there and just kind of bearing my soul and, and sharing of myself. And um, it's, I think because of kind of the heart and soul searching that I've been doing this last year um, and also the work I did with Ain't Too Proud, it gave me the kind of courage to kind of just step into myself, to step into my gifts, to step into my truth. And um, when they asked again, because I can't believe they kept asking, I would have stopped after three. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't tell you, I mean, every day, those people, I'm telling you, 54 Below people, they're persistent. And I'm actually grateful. I'm very, very grateful that they're persistent um, because I'm in a place now um, where I can just get up there and just share. You know, I'm also like sometimes with cabarets, they can be so like masturbatory. Like I want people to, you know, come and hear me sing. I'm going to sing, you know, these high notes and, you know, come and hear how beautiful my voice is. But like, I've never been that person to um, want to see a show like that. And I never want have been a person to want to perform like that. That's just never been me. Mm -hmm. And when I see a performance, no matter what it is, no matter what genre it is, if it's, you know, watching someone paint or if I'm watching a dancer at Alvin Ailey, like I, as an artist, I know when that person is being just truthful as opposed to performative, you know, and I'm in a place now where I just want to share my art, man. That's all I want to do. And so this show is very special to me because we talked about kind of the journey and 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 plot twists and all that stuff. And so um, my show is pretty much moments in my life, you know, and my life has a soundtrack to it. I think all of our lives have a soundtrack to it. Um, and there are big moments in your life where you remember like, oh, that song was playing, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, with Ain't Too Proud, of course, that's Temptations music. And what was I going through when I first started that show? And what was I going through when I ended that show? Because that was a journey within itself. That was a moment. And I talk about moments um, within uh, and, 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 and moments because you can have a long moment. You can have moments within a moment. And so, like, I'm going to talk about just some moments in my life. Um, uh, and I'm going to go through those. And hopefully it will, you know, the people who come to see it, they will. I hope to connect with them and say, oh, you know what? I actually have moments in my life, you know? You know that song you listened to when you fell in love? Yeah. That song you listened to when you were holding your pillow crying, when you fell out of love? <laughs> you know, it's like, just, the music is such, um, 
it's such a reflection, you know, it's such a reflection of the times and artists reflect the times, you know, and uh, again, what what's happening in this country? What's the music that you're listening to? Um, what was the music that like my parents or my grandparents listened to? What did they sing during during the 50s and the 60s when there was a lot of racial upheaval? And so, like, we're going to look at just all those types of moments. Um, and uh, since it's me giving the show, you want to start with my moments. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, um, it will cause you to kind of look at the moments in your life and um, make you grateful for all the moments because, you know, every moment isn't uh, every moment isn't isn't light. You know, sometimes they're very, very heavy moments. They're very painful moments. But if you're able to look and see how these moments shape you, each moment will be beautiful. You know, I look at um, a very bad breakup that I had. And then I look at where I am today and I said, if I didn't break up in this moment, I wouldn't be the man I am today, you know? And so that moment, although it hurt, you know, it's actually now it's beautiful. And I'm grateful to say that was actually a beautiful moment. And so 54 Below, you know, when you come and, and hear some singing, because I, I, I will be singing <laughs> instead of, <laughs> instead of uh, talking. What if I just got up there and talked the whole time? You expecting me to sing? Oh, Hell no, I, I do know. that all the time. Yeah, right. I'm going to tell you some jokes. <laughs> no, this is crazy. Right, right. <laughs> well, check across the road and, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so when you come and hear the singing, hopefully the songs, um, I hope they just kind of touch you in a different way. Even if you love them, hope you like, it hopefully it touches your heart and pulls on your heartstrings a little bit. But we're gonna, you know, it's gonna talk about life a little bit. Oh, I love that. I love that. And yeah. I mean, the moments. There are so many moments that I that. Yeah, you're right. That I look back on and I'm like, yeah, that was really, really crappy in the moment. Yeah. And then like, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be having yep. this conversation if all those bad yep. moments didn't happen. It's true. And you know, and it's like you know, again, because there's so many plot twists. Every moment, they're not going to be good moments, but those bad ones, like, they're important to have. Mm-hmm. You know, they really do shape you. They shape you. I am shaped by some painful moments. I just am, you know? Uh, even this pandemic, you know, and the solitude uh, that forced me to kind of be still, you know, this year was, it was rough, you know, it was rough for me, but I am so grateful for it. Like I am such a different person than I was a year ago um, because of this pandemic and because it caused it, you know, it caused me to sit with myself and, and just take in everything and to adjust everything that I need to adjust. And it's been great. It really has been. And I, I, I truly, I, I thank God. I thank God for every moment in my life yeah. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the pain, the pain. It kind of like, you know, you have the Grand Canyon, right? And it looks so beautiful, but like water shaped that water, water eroded that rock, you know? And so it's just like with us, you know, sometimes the sharp edges of who you are, the pain kind of just, it kind of just softens you a little bit and it kind of just shapes you, you know, and I've, I have been shaped. I have been shaped by life. (laughs) <laughs> and it's but it's a beautiful thing if you because where I am now um, and the wholeness that I have and the healing that I have now, um, it's because of the moments in my life that have shaped it, you know, and I'm grateful for it. You're not grateful when you're going through it. You know, no, you it hurts. It. <laughs> oh, no, you oh, hate it. Oh, it sucks. I, I hate every second of it. And you're like, when is it over? Because like, this needs to be over. I'm going to give you two days and it's over. And you're like, oh, no, we're now we're into two weeks and it still hurts. <laughs> got it, got it, got it, got it. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, but you know, it just it just shapes you, man. It it does. And if you allow it, um it, it will shape you into having a beautiful life and you'll be grateful for all for everything that has happened, not just, you know, the Tony nominations, but like the pain that went into getting that Tony nomination. Like I was very sick in at the Tony Awards. At the Tony Awards, my kidneys were malfunctioning. No kidding. <laughs> Literally sitting in the awards, my kidneys were malfunctioning. I was in the hospital two days later. Did you and did you know that at the time, or you just felt kind of off time, a little bit? At the time, I thought it was food poisoning. Oh, isn't that crazy? And I, oh. I, it was a terrible. Like I was in pain the entire night. My first time being nominated for a Tony, and I'm in pain. 
pain and I'm thinking that it's my stomach. Oh no, it's my kidneys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's just like, that was it, so much pain that surrounded within this beautiful moment of having my first, you know, Tony nomination sitting next to my parents. You know, it's like, there's, it's like, it's, it's so many layers. There's so many layers to like where we are in our lives. And each moment is so layered and there's such beauty and such pain in all of it. Oh, so that's like tragically funny, but uh, <laughs> it's literally crazy. Like yeah, I didn't yeah. do the show that day because I was bowled over in pain. <laughs> they were oh. like, "But can you?" They were like, "But can you actually perform at the Tonys?" I was like, "No, I'll be at the Tonys. I just can't do this show." <laughs> they were yep. like, "Fine." And yep. so, like you know, I took whatever medicines I thought I needed to take, which actually none of it I needed to take because I was treating food poisoning and I didn't have food poisoning um but like I made it through and then you know we were in the opening number and then the next performance was us because you know every show gets to Mm -hmm. present themselves and so we were right after the opening number and then I was done and so uh my adrenaline my adrenaline was so high that I didn't feel a thing until after everything came down and that's when the pain came back We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I, man, little things, you know, yeah, there are so many people that, I mean, I say this over and over again on this podcast that the, that you you and your peers are the Olympians of theater. You are oh, the man. top of your craft, the best of your game, eight times a week to make it fresh man. and new every single time. Yeah, man. Through the it's, pain. It's not, through everything. And it's like, it, it, I haven't, I, well, I have several ENTs, but my ENT at the time, uh, she was, I would go in there and, you know, for a checkup. And she's like, I don't even understand how you're performing at what I'm looking at, <laughs> you know, she would like, you know, <laughs> she would scope my sinuses and I probably have an infection in there. She was like, did you do the show yesterday? I was like, yep. And I'm probably going to do a show today. She was like, I don't understand how you're doing that. And then that's just the insides of me. Like, let's not even talk about physically, like, like the, the amount of strain and stress, like my knees happen. Cause I'm in these dance boots for ain't too proud. I'm in a show where I'm in every single scene of the show so I don't get to sit down and so I'm standing and my legs are on fire and my back is on fire and at the same time I have to make sure that I'm talking correctly so I don't lose my voice because I'm talking 90-95% of the book was me talking (laughs) you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then I got to turn around and sing and then I have to dance in over 25 numbers like you're not that's you're not supposed to do that. Did you <laughs> did you prep normal. did you prep Nick Nick Walker? Did you be like, dude, listen, I did. listen, I man, you did. start working out now. Bro, we sat down. He called me, um, because I think he was coming off of the Hamilton tour. Yeah. And he called me. He was like, I want to sit down with you. I was like, I, I want to sit down with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I need to let you know what's about to happen. And Cause I, I mean, no one could tell me that because I originated and I was, you know, I was doing it in real time and learning as I go, but I was like, here's what's going to happen for you. Here's what you need to do. And we just sat down. We went to a sushi restaurant right in Midtown. Um, and I sat him down man, and I said, here's what's going to happen and get ready for A, B, C, and D. And, um, I was happy to do it, man. I was, cause I, that's the one thing I wish I had, but no one can tell you something that, that hasn't been created. You're creating it. Yeah. So that's, that's what I was gonna it. say. The, the flip side. The flip side of this is that now, you know, like your name, your your who you are, Derek, is part of the show, and it will be forever. It won't be what it is without your oh, contributions. That's my show. Listen, that's yeah. my show. The tone of the show is based off of my energy. Since I was the lead and since I was carrying it, I was number one on the call sheet, and so that dominant energy is what determines what the show will be. And so I would start doing things and Jeremy Pope and Ephraim Sykes were like, okay, that's what we're doing. Boom. And so then everyone just kind of piled in and everyone kind of just lined up. And I said, like, this is the tone I want. This is the tone I'm going for. Um, and, and that was the tone of the show. And it will probably continue to be the tone of the show based off of my energy. But really, 
also based off of Otis's energy because yeah. this is Otis's energy, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, the, the one thing I wanted to do is make sure that I, because I look nothing like him. I like nothing like him. And he's like about five or six inches taller. He's several shades darker. And it's like, there's, there's no physical similarities, but his spirit I get. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that his spirit kind of lives on well after I'm done with the show and well after, you know, there's tours going out and hopefully it'll go to London and Australia and Tokyo, like, and each one of those, you know, tours, like I, hopefully his spirit will live in each of those, you know, but I had to determine that. And I was like, all right, this is what it is, y'all. And let's go. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I, I, oh man. I love I love how that comes together because when when everyone is not in it for their ego and they're in it for their their characters and the creation and the pure art of it and it sounds like yeah. that was just what it was it's like all right we are telling the story we are working together to pull this into existence and yeah. and to take this I mean out of the mind of Otis out of the mind of Dominique and off the page yeah. that's uh, I mean I have never had the opportunity to originate a Broadway role. Many people will never have that opportunity. That is, that's yeah. one of, again, one of those, those moments where you're like, it is painful in it. And you look back and you, and I think from an evolutionary standpoint, right, we're only, we're kind of conditioned to pre to only, um, sorry, we're only preconditioned to remember the, really the good stuff because we right. want to continue. We want to continue to go back to that and herd immunity. You got your, you got your tribe, you've got your chosen family, you've got your cast. Casts yeah. are family i say that over yeah. and over again too Absolutely. and you're making these connections and building a legacy with a group of guys you may or may not have ever had an opportunity to know beforehand but now you'll know forever absolutely it's very true man and i've, I've been fortunate to i mean i've that's the fourth show i originated like i don't know that's that's my only experience on broadway's <laughs> originating shows that's a blessing <laughs> yeah that that's that's a blessing in itself you know and i've been very fortunate to be part of some really good casts and uh, and to have some really good connections. Like again, me and James met in 2004 with Memphis before yeah. we even made it to Broadway in 2009. And so like, you know, we've remained friends and Sherry, Sherry Renee Scott, um, we're, we're very, very close. And, um, and Sierra Bogus, um, who played Ur- uh, Ursula and Ariel in Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. like, the three of us, like we're very, very good friends. Um, uh, even with Spelling Bee, you know, we still keep in touch. I, we just talked like for for Pride at the, at the top of June. Um, Jose Lana like just sends us a text, Happy Pride, y'all, you know. And so it's like then the whole group just gets together and and we just kind of just reminisce and joke and like there's just it's it's a beautiful thing when you can kind of over through the years, you know, the connections that you make, you can continue to kind of feed them. You're not always going to have them because again, like theater is a job. So I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not going to be in close contact with everyone that I've ever worked with. Um, But there are key connections um, that I will always hold on to. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. That for me was actually very strange when I first got into the business because like I didn't study what I'm doing and I kind of just threw myself into like theater. And I was like, y- y'all get so familiar with each other so fast. Like, everyone's <laughs> like I was like, what is going on here? You're fast friends. Everyone's like fast friends. And I was like, good grief. was like hugging on each other and all this hugging and touching. And I just met you. It was like, it was, it was such, uh, it was, that was for me an adjustment. That was a, that was the adjustment. I was like, I don't know you. You hugging on me and touching me. I'm like, good grief! I love you. We're friends. Uh, but it's it, it's really cool, man. It's the theater. The theater community. Um, it's a beautiful community to be part of. Broadway community. It's it's a wonderful community to be part of. Yeah, and on yeah. I think there's a, there's a subset of the of the TV film too. The that side of things that the people who who you know, I mean, you get, you're obviously going to make, let's call it what it is. You're going to make a lot more money doing TV and film for the most oh, part. Yeah. But then you come back oh, and yeah. you find the joy and the love in theater. But yeah. I think of somebody, I'm going to bring up Chadwick Boseman, right? Like yeah. now this guy, I feel like he was one of those guys. I'm, I never had the pleasure of meeting him. And I feel like he's one of those guys though, that, that again, you're going to be fast friends with and, yeah. and all, and, I just get the impression from the interviews, from what I see from him, from what I hear from people who know him, 
that, yeah. that he influences everyone he touched. You know, he was uh, a producer and the lead character um, on the movie that I did, I shot with him called Marshall and mm-hmm. sort of third good Marshall. Um, the other uh, headliner in that movie, Josh Gad, uh, we were in a Broadway show together. So like I came in knowing like the other lead. Yep. And so it was really cool. But Chadwick had this energy um, that was just, oh, it was just very infectious. And it was, he was very, I, I remember it, him being just very calm. It was a very calm and positive energy. And I think he kind of knew kind of the role he carried in that show, in that movie but there was no pretense to him and he felt very and i'm going to say this i'll say i'll give him this term he was a very kind of like a blue collar actor right so like there was like he's like let's get dirty let's get down into this scene and like like let's work this scene you know he's mm-hmm. there was he's not fancy he's not a fancy there's sometimes a very fancy actors you know <laughs> he's like he's not that guy he's like i'm here to work you know and uh i just remember him just he's just his, his work ethic was just wonderful and he was just very very kind and that was that's my experience of him you know we we, we were not friends you know we were but we worked together really well and and he welcomed me um into that movie and you know, the scenes that I got to share with him was wonderful. But even, but outside of that, when we were just between takes, um, he was really cool to talk to. And I would, we filmed that in Buffalo. And so I would fly back and forth because my scenes were kind of spread throughout the movie. And so I didn't have to be there the whole time. So uh, the second time I came up, uh, they were doing, they were in the courthouse or whatever. And uh, he saw me. He's like, "Hey, man, what's up?" He's like, "Did you get to see like what's going on right now in this in this scene that they're shooting?" I was like, "No." He's like, "No, go check it out." He's like, "Go sit with the director and like look." And I was like, "All right." Like he was he's he was that guy, you know, just really excited about working. Um, and I, I'm grateful. I, I I really feel like I learned from him. I did, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of how to again, because God willing, I want to be an A list actor myself, and and I want to carry I want to carry a movie. I know how to carry that now because I watched him carry it, you know, and I'll take my experience from carrying my show on in, in Broadway. Uh, in addition to what I've learned, how he carried his um, movie and how he carries his movie, how he carried his movies. Um, it was a, just a great, great experience, man. He's a, he was a wonderful man. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can tell, I could tell, I mean, I, the idea that I get from him, at least from what I'm reading and everything, it's just, it, it feels like, again, that's just who he is. He was he was always yeah, he was always wearing the earth, man. yeah, just always wearing his personality on his sleeve and carrying it into his yeah. characters, right? Like this yeah. is this is who I am, and just not a bit of pretense. Like that's what you want. Like it can sometimes be when someone has really achieved something. Like so, like the Viola Davises, the Denzel Washingtons, the Tom Hanks, the Steven Spielbergs. Like these guys are juggernauts in our business, right? And so. It can be intimidating working for someone that has achieved so much. But then when they turn around and say, I actually don't care about what I've achieved. We're here working together. That's the kind of actor you want to work with. I, I hope that's the kind of actor that I, I remain. Like, I don't care. Like, it's I'm grateful for the achievements. I really am. But when I'm in something, that's all that matters. That scene and that project. I don't, I don't care that I have a Grammy nomination. I don't care that I have a Tony. I don't care. Uh, I don't care what I have achieved because what I need to achieve is making sure that we tell the truth in this particular piece and what I need to show up fully here. I can't show up fully if I'm like, look at, look at my achievements. I can't show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm playing a, a doctor here or, or a spy here, but did I ever tell you when I got a Tony nomination? Like no one cares about that. Like in the heat of the moment, you know, let's, let's just show up. Let's show up. Let's do this piece. And like, I feel like Chadwick was like that. And I feel like I'm, I haven't met a lot of these people, but like I haven't met any of those people that I mentioned, Violo, Den, uh, Denzel. I'd love to meet you guys. Um, uh, you know, Spoo, I've never met. No, I did meet Spielberg. I, I have met him. He seems like a nice guy. I met him at church. Ch- <laughs> what? I met Spielberg at church. And so I was like, yeah, which is weird. A uh, whole nother story. But like, um, you know, they just, it, it, I, I hope that, you know, that level of success says, you know, yes, I've achieved it, but what's more important is what we 
together are going to achieve in this piece. Chad Wu was that guy, for sure. Oh, I love that. All right, so let's wrap up here with three questions I ask everybody to end out the episodes here. The first one, very simply, is what motivates you? Gratitude. Mm. Um, and that is very new for me. <laughs> um, uh, I am in a place in my life uh, where I have adjusted my perspective um, in what I do, right? Um, a lot of times, especially with Broadway, you, you get so tired because it's eight shows a week. You should, you should not be doing eight shows a week, ever. And doing this show, doing Ain't Too Proud, um, that, that, it just took it out of me, man. It truly did. Physically and emotionally, like spiritually, it just did. I kind of lost the gratitude in what I did. And where I'm at now is just making sure that I remember, like, I get to do this. And like, what a blessing that is to get to do something. So like right now, you know, I'm in between projects, but that work will come. And when that project presents itself, I get to do that, you know? And so I'm excited and it kind of keeps the energy for me moving forward. Um, it's just like, ah, what's next? Like, all right. And then once I get that, yes, thank you, God, for this, you know, this blessing, this project. Um, I think staying thankful for what you are doing in the moment kind of creates the next moment. And it kind of it allows the abundance that I think all of us are looking for to kind of continue to uh, move and flow through our lives. So gratitude motivates me. Mm. All right. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Ooh, so many things I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Uh, but the first thing I will say is find your truth. Find out who you are as a person, as a woman, as a man, however you identify. Um, Find that truth. Learn to accept that truth. Sometimes that truth is hard to accept, um, uh, but learn to live in that truth. Learn to live in your body. Learn to live. Listen, I have big lips. I got a big wide nose. I have big eyes, big ears. My widow's peak is off-centered. Like, I know this about myself. <laughs> it's all true, man. But I know this about myself because I have accepted it, right? Like, I know that I'm not going to have the Eurocentric nose. I know that. I know these are my features. Um, uh, my body, you know, I, 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 I'd love to be 2% body fat, but that's not who I am, you know? And I am still learning to kind of accept that, you know? And so I would say, just live in your truth, um, whatever that is for you, your sexuality, you know, gay, straight, bi, fluid, whatever that is, learn to like, just live in that and accept that. Because once you start accepting yourself for who you are, your art is just, it's just elevated. It's, it's completely elevated because you are truthful with yourself so you can be truthful in your art. Because if you're not, and again, listen, there's probably a lot of actors that we know that are like A-list actors who are probably not living in their truth and who are living double lives or they're very depressed or whatever. Because a lot of times you think this is happening in this actor's life because they're making so much money, but actually the opposite is actually happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so once you are able to live in your truth, and know that your journey is your journey and no one else's. Don't look to the right and don't look to the left. Be happy where you are. Be content in where you are and learn to live in your truth. I would say that first. Mm. All right. Last question then. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Oh, that's not fair, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. Can I give you two? Sure, sure. You give me two. I'll give you two. I'll give you two. So uh, the first one would be The Wiz. Nice. Um, for sure. The second one would be Light in the Piazza. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Oh, man. That thing. I was, I'm a hopeless romantic. So there's that. Uh, and that show, uh, I was in Spelling Bee when that show was on Broadway and we were up against each other in all the categories for the Tonys. And like that Tony Awards was really cool because like 
we got these two Tonys, they got those two Tonys. Like they kind of, it was really evenly split. Mm-hmm. And I think Spamalot was there that year too. And, um, but when I sat and I saw that show, I don't know how I was able to see it. I guess we were on different schedules for like a week or two and I was able to go see it. And, um, Victoria Clark, who won the Tony that year for best lead actress in a musical. Um, I met her at Spelling Bee's off Broadway opening and I didn't know who she was. I had no clue who she was <laughs> until I saw her on stage on Broadway. And there was this moment where she entered and she walked straight down. Um, she walked straight down the center of the stage. It was at Lincoln Center. So it's like, in, you know, it's in the round, essentially almost around. And so mm-hmm. she walked straight down and she sees me. And then she looked right through me. She was like, I'm here to work. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I just, I just learned so much. But also the music, it's just beautiful, romantic music, which I'm really into. I love, you know, kind of a period piece. And so those two musicals are my favorite. Oh, I love that. All right. So where can we find you online? Uh, social media. Uh, Instagram is Derek.Baskin, D-E-R-R-I-C-K dot B-A-S-K-I-N. Twitter is just at Derek Baskin. Uh, those are the two that I am usually on. Um, probably won't see you on Facebook. <laughs> so Instagram, uh, Instagram is, you know, Facebook is for like, you know, my family, my aunties, my cousins. But like, yep, you know, yep, so, yep. you know, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter. And, you know, I'd love to interact with everyone who follows me. Oh, I love that. I love that. All right, you can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter on theater underscore podcast. I am on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Leave a rating review wherever you're listening now. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Music by Jukebox the Ghost. And Derek, conversation by you. Thank you. This hey. has been so much fun. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.